Thank you, Riley. Thank you, team. Thank you, everyone, for being here today. It's good to be back with you. And last month, I had a birthday that I want to share with you a little about. It was a big birthday because it was a big number. So yes, I am now 60 years old. And when having a birthday... Oh, thanks. When other people heard that, they booed me. But uh, uh, when having a birthday, it's customary to wish the birthday person a happy birthday. But for some reason this year, my birthday was accompanied by a variety of, I would say, cruel cards and some unusual gifts. And I brought some of the gifts to show you, just to show you what I've been through this last month. So here's one gift that I received, and it's a mug with like, you know, a neat, a neat thing on the top here. I guess that's a lid. It comes with a metal straw to save the planet, plus a straw cleaner. But it also says weird being the same age as old people. <laughs> and then I got this gift here from someone who um, I think is in this room. Yes, they are in this room. So hopefully the guilt begins to build. Uh, it's a coaster and it says, 60 is not old if you are a stone. <laughs> Very comforting. And then the last one, uh, this is um, a really remarkable gift. It is a stick with a pair of dentures on the end of it. And um, this was made by a friend of mine who was in a previous church and he is a denturist now. And so uh, the label on it says Scratcher 3000. And on the other side it says, this is a rescue denture. It was rescued from a funeral home and ultimately the landfill. <laughs> Thank you for reducing, reusing, and recycling this otherwise now useless product. And it is to serve kind of as like a back scratcher, right? <laughs> oh. Um, however, Lori did not want this thing in our house. She wanted it out, so what I'm going to do or thinking of is I'm just going to put it on a string in the foyer and it'll be a community back scratcher. But it is important to pause and celebrate when we have reasons to celebrate in life because there's a lot of other times in life that are difficult. And I suspect that some of you have uh, experienced in the last few weeks possibly anxiety or discomfort as we have gone back into the routine of life, whether it be at school or at work or whatever we're facing. The vacation season is over for most of us. We have to get back to reality and sometimes reality is hard to face, right? Yet it is possible to experience joy even during life's hardships. And today I want to share about this possibility with you from a Psalm of David, and it will show us two ways that we can experience joy regardless of what else is going on in our lives. And during my preparation for this, I realized I really like one of these two ways, but I don't like the second way as much. And maybe you'll find that out as well today as well. But I'm going to pray, and I have been praying, that Christ is going to empower us 
to take both pathways that he offers so that we can find joy in life today. And before I give you the passage for today, I want to invite you to listen to God's word. Not to read it along, not to begin analyzing it, but listen to it. And so I'm going to read the psalm to you, and there are in the psalm itself what we think are indicators for a pause. And so I'm going to read, and then I'm going to pause, and I want you to let the word sink in. And so I'm going to read. I invite you, you might want to close your eyes and hear God's word for you today. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding which must be curbed with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 32 is a psalm of David, if you want to turn there now. I think it's on page 405 around there in the Bibles that we have for you. And the dominant theme throughout this psalm is the joy that comes with being forgiven. The first two verses describe someone who is blessed or joyful because they have experienced deep forgiven, forgiveness. And David goes deep into sin and forgiveness in these first three verse, or two verses by using three words for, forg- for sin and three words for the way God responds to sin. So first, he talks about transgressions. And the word means to go away or depart from. And with respect to God, it means to go away from him in rebellion. To transgress is to go against God and his authority. And then he uses the most general term or more general term, sin, which means to come short of or fall short of the mark. It can mean to turn away from the true path. And sometimes we sin consciously. We know what the mark is, but we decide we're not going to follow that or go towards that. And other times we sin unconsciously where we don't know what the mark is and we sin And the third word David uses is translated iniquity, which refers to some sort of distortion, twisting, or crookedness. And we humans can follow distorted or twisted ways. 
or we might have been taught them by others. And we can begin to think that twisted ways are the normal ways. So David uses transgression, sin, and iniquity to describe the full dimension of human evil. But the good news is that God has a merciful response to each type of evil. First, we see he forgives trespasses. And to forgive means to lift or to remove. And before sin is confessed, it's like a heavy burden upon us. But when God forgives, he lifts it off of us. And then he covers our sin, which means that he conceals it from sight or graciously blots it out. And any Christian is a walking testimony of God's covering work over our sins. Because other people don't know the extent of our sin history, but God knows everything yet continues to love us. And then David tells us that God will not count our iniquity against us. And this is a bookkeeping term, count or reckon. And it basically means God does not keep score. God does not keep count of the amount of sins we have so that he can reject us. So David uses all of these terms to portray the joy that comes with forgiveness. And then David shares personally in verse 3, where he describes his life under sin. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. That's not a life of joy. It's the heavy life of unconfessed sin. And this person lives with guilt and a cloudy conscience. The aging bones portray growing weakness in the spiritual life. And the unhealthy practice of bottling up evil in our soul results in such life heaviness. But then David reveals the first pathway to joy in verse 5. So how can we experience joy in life today? Pathway number one is simply confess our sin to the Lord. Notice how David addresses the three types of sin in his confession. Verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you. There's type number one, sin. I did not cover my iniquity, type number two. And here the word cover is not like God's gracious covering over to can basically uh, cover in a sense of grace and not holding it against. Here the word cover means to conceal or to hide. And David declares, I'm not going to do this anymore with my iniquity. And then he says, I will confess my transgressions. That's number three, transgression. So David acknowledges sin, uncovers his iniquity, confesses his transgressions, and when that happens, God will flood him with his multi-pronged mercy. When we confess and stop covering up and acknowledge, we can experience the joy of verses 1 and 2. And this is the appealing pathway. Who doesn't want to be forgiven? It's great when another person says, I forgive you. And the relationship can begin to move towards reconciliation. 
It's wonderful when God lifts off our transgression burden or covers our sin or does not count our iniquity against us. And David wants to share this joyful path with others. So in verse 6, he declares, Therefore, in light of the fact that when we acknowledge our sin and God forgives us, let everyone pray to you. Let everyone offer this prayer of confession while you may be found. What's that all about? Does God hide from us? No. It refers more to our closeness or distance from God. If we frequently confess our sin, we have a greater opportunity to remain in fellowship with God. But if we let our hearts harden towards him, it's harder to come back. So regular confession keeps this pathway open. And then according to verse 7, when the rush of great waters comes into our lives, they will not reach or overwhelm us. The great waters here could refer to the trials of life or it could refer to judgment day. And those who confess will not be overwhelmed by such waters. So pathway one to joy is simply wholehearted confession of our sins. And I like this pathway much more than pathway number two. For the next pathway seems harder. It might even seem unnecessary after we've been forgiven. What more do we need from God? But notice, David doesn't end the psalm in verse 6. He goes on in verse 7, addressing the Lord. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Well, that sounds like God wants to be more than our forgiveness dispenser. He's willing to be our hiding place, someone we can go to with anything and everything, our fears and anxieties and doubts and problems, and he will receive us with his everlasting arms of love. And then David says, you preserve me from trouble, which kind of sounds like Anyone who comes to God will receive permanent protection from trouble. That would be a great sales pitch. But it can't be. Because Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And perhaps David means that the Lord will preserve or protect him from ultimate trouble, like losing one's soul or the total destruction of one's life. For in Psalm 9.9, David writes, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And the stronghold was that inner portion of the castle or walled city that was fortified, where you would run to when the walls were breached. And though there there was trouble and war raging outside, in the stronghold you still experienced this measure of protection. And so in some way, God preserves us, preserves us in trouble and also from some troubles. And then David adds that the Lord will surround him with shouts of deliverance. And this is like God coming to us and singing or speaking to us, I will deliver you, I will help you, I will provide for you, I am with you. 
And then in verse 8, the Lord himself speaks and he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and keep my eye upon you. So God not only desires to be our hiding place, our fortress in trouble, our assurance when we're doubting, he promises to instruct us and teach us in the way that we should go. He promises to counsel us while keeping his eyes upon us. And this is way more than a forgiveness dispenser, which all points to pathway number two. How can we experience joy in life today? Pathway two, simply stay close to Christ. This is the other pathway to joy in this psalm, but it seems harder. We all want forgiveness. Do we want to stay close to Christ? Do we want him to get too close to us? Do we want him to see what's in our lives? Everything? As if he already doesn't. Maybe we don't want to adjust our lives for Christ. We don't want him to come too close. We just want forgiveness, but not anything else from God. Would you like a relationship like that? Where a person wronged you? came back to you for forgiveness and then went and did whatever they wanted again. And David understands this tendency and he diagnoses this attitude in verse 9. Be not like a horse or mule without understanding which must be curbed with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. When we only come to God, when we want forgiveness or we're forced to, we're acting like stubborn mules. We want forgiveness from God and then we want to do whatever we want with our lives. We expect God to be everywhere as our forgiveness dispenser, but we certainly don't want instruction or counsel or how to live. And we can deceive our lives into thinking the good life is occasional forgiveness from God so we can be free to do whatever we want. But we're missing the incredible joy to be found along pathway two of staying close to God. God says, don't be like this. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be close to you. I want to give you much more than forgiveness and pardon. I can give you a life full of me and all the goodness that I have for you. Is that possible? Is it possible to experience a close walk with God? How might we do that? Well, in a few moments, I'm going to introduce to you an intentional pathway that we're going to take as a congregation this fall to stay close to Christ. But before I do that, I want you to hear from some who have already taken some steps down this pathway, pathway number two. And Renee and Christine Holstrom are going to come at this time to talk a little about the Abide in Christ pathway but also about walking with God and hearing from him in their lives. So last year, a small group of our church leaders and their spouses gathered together to work their way through the Abide in Christ material, and Renee and Christine were part of this group. So first of all, I'd like to ask you guys to share, what did you take away from our time together? The importance of community, connection, and staying close to Christ. 
And for me, it was about what you just talked about, uh, which is if we earnestly want to hear from God and what he has to say to us, then seek him with all your heart. God really wants us to hear from him and not only take the time to listen, but also to respond. In our previous uh, sermon series in James, we were talking about be not just hearers of the word, but doers of it. And that was a big thing for me too, not only listening to hearing from what God has to say, but doing it. And was there anything specific, a lesson or a principle that you carried with you into your walk with God today from the Abide in Christ material? So for me, uh, the importance of a spiritual retreat, and we actually just did that last July, um, practicing Sabbath, and the importance of continuing to learn and to grow. And for me, it was uh, about get, you get out of it what you put into it. Uh, doing the exercises in the Abide series, there's, there is a bit of homework per se, and that sounds daunting and scary, but uh, it, it's about 15 or 20 minutes a day that you take to do that, and it makes a big difference in hearing from God. Okay, so that's a little bit about the Abide in Christ material, but beyond that, you have both shared about your deepening walk with God and hearing from God over the last couple of years. And I would like you to share a little bit about that. So first of all, would you please share some ways that you listen to God and hear from him? So God speaks to me through the Bible, modern day prophets, Pastor Tom, godly teachers, books, through nature, mountains, oceans, sunsets and stars, creativity and worship and through the Holy Spirit. Something you once said was, don't just read the Bible, pray it, respond. Before you read the Bible, pray for God to speak. After you read the Bible, respond to what he reveals by writing it in a journal. Transform Bible reading time into hearing from God time, then act on what God says. Yeah, and I agree with what Christine has just said. All of those different ways are certainly ways God has spoken to me as well. Um, God, first and foremost, for many, many years, has spoken to me through the Bible. Um, that really started for me in earnest a couple of years ago, Pastor Tom, when you did a series um, on really not only reading the Word, but taking the time to pause. What is God saying to me through this, through this Scripture? What is His lesson for me? Journaling it. And then asking God the next question. So what do you want to, me to do with this information, Lord? What do you want me to do? And uh, then doing it. Uh, those are all things that uh, really impacted me. Um, if you've ever read some scripture, listened to a sermon or some worship music, where it just fit perfectly into your life circumstance that day, that moment, you're, you're hearing from God. And God is wanting to speak to you. Sometimes he wants to grab our attention in a little bit more vigorous ways. So maybe there's uh, tough troubles or, or various things that he wants to grab our attention. But in those moments where you feel that sermon was meant for me today or that song that I heard on the radio was meant for me today, uh, that's, God. that's God often and we need to acknowledge that and believe that he speaks to us today. Um, he speaks 
You know, that is a common fallacy that God doesn't speak to us anymore the way he did to the prophets or to the others in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well. He speaks in various ways, and that is a biblical perspective that he still speaks today. And so my next question is really how, when you hear from God, how does it impact your life or how has it impacted you? So for me, two ways. One, God speaks to me all day long. Before I get out of bed each morning, I pray, asking God for me to be sensitive to what he wants me to do and know. I ask for wisdom, understanding, discernment. I ask to hear his voice clearly. God speaks to me through highlighting scriptures I read. He gives me ideas how I can serve, help, or bless others through practical ideas, like making a meal, giving financially, calling someone, praying for someone. I talk to God all day. I ask him questions. I also ask for confirmation of things I believe he is asking me to do or say. Before I go to sleep, my husband and I pray together, and we invite the Holy Spirit into our home. And sometimes at night when I wake up, I use that time to pray for others God puts on my heart. The second thing is when I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit, I can also hear for others sometimes and then pass on a message for them. And for me, how does it impact my life? Well, it directs my life. And uh, in John 15, chapter 15, verses 1 to 12, it really talks about abiding in the vine. And there's a section in there in in verse 6 that talks about dry branches. You know, when you think of about a a vine, you think of green, luxurious uh, vines that are sprouting and, and doing well and producing fruit. But he also talks about dry branches and what is done with dry branches. They're gathered up and burned. I didn't want to be a dry branch. I wanted to be a green, luxurious vine that was producing fruit. And and John 8, verse 31, it says, If you abide in my word, you are truly disciples of mine. And I wanted to deepen that walk. Mm. Okay, so we're... Thank you for sharing about that. And, uh, and it's been, uh, if you've ta- spent any time in the last couple of years talking with Renee and Christine, listening to them, you cannot help but hear their walk with God and their hearing from God just bubble out of them and overflow from them. And so it's been a tremendous blessing to have you guys share and, and minister. So we're talking today about uh, going deeper with God. And there might be people here today or watching online who say, yeah, I'd like to do that, but I just don't have the time. It's just way too busy in my schedule right now. I just don't have time. So what might you say to someone who thinks that? Well, you must make the time if you really want to go deeper with God. There are no shortcuts. If you are serious, you can start with one small change. What can I do differently today? Yeah, and and I turn that question around and, and say... Who wouldn't want to hear from the king of the universe about what he has in for us in our lives? And that means spending some time. Yes, it does. There is time involved. But you're hearing from the king of the universe. And who wouldn't want to hear from the king? Hmm. That's one aspect. Uh, do we really want to walk around life and do life without hearing from him? To me, it's also an issue of who's on the throne. Do I want to wrestle control from God and and be on that throne and and do things my way? Or again, do I want to hear from the king of the universe and what's right for me 
Uh, that is going to be way more important than trying to be on the throne in control of my life because what ends up happening is I usually mess it up and uh, he knows what he's doing. I also am reminded of God. He's a gentleman. He's first and foremost a gentleman uh, who won't force us to do anything. Um, he will grab our attention at times, um, but ultimately he's a gentleman. And um, the other aspect is something I used to say to my kids all, this, all the time. Save time, see it my way. Um, <laughs> that's... Uh, <laughs> Oh. That's what God is often saying to us as well. Save time, see it my way. And lastly, is there anything else you feel led to share with the congregation today? John 10, 27, I love this verse. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He wants us to know his voice and he hears us every time we pray to him. We all hear God's voice. It's a matter of recognizing it because God loves to talk to us. When you have a deep knowledge of the Word of God, you will know the character of God. Then you will truly know what He would and wouldn't say. That's how we can discern if it's God speaking to us. And I believe He wants to talk to us more than we want to listen. Yes, what Christine just said is very helpful for sure. For me, the other thing that I need to hear from God regularly about is how much He loves me. I've always had a head knowledge of that, but getting that deep into my heart has been a lifelong struggle for me. And he reminds me of it regularly because he knows I need to hear it. I had regularly believed that my own sin kept me from God even wanting to know me, that he just tolerated me but didn't really want to speak to me. I've now come to realize that that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. God says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knows we're weak, we're helpless, and maybe a little stupid like sheep. Yet he loves us anyway and wants us to be first and foremost in tune with him, to be loved by him and to be made useful by him. He chooses to work in this world through us, if we only listen and do what he says. Imagine what that could be like if all of Christendom did what he was directing and leading them to do. It would be truly a world transformed. Thank you so much, Renee and Christine, for sharing with us today. So, how might we stay close to Christ? One way is to follow this Abide in Christ pathway from an organization called Church Renewal. It's a Canadian organization out of Southland Church in Steinbach, Manitoba. The pastor there identified issues that he saw pastors and people having that kept them, kept them from a thriving spiritual life. And those issues were a lack of a close walk with God, character issues, lack of skills and leadership skills, and lack of prayer. So he developed material and lessons to help his people and pastors grow in each of these areas. But he didn't want this to just be another course. He wanted people to experience the deep, transforming work of God in their hearts, minds, and lives. So a key piece of this ministry was weekly peer mentoring groups. And I have been part of one of a 
pastors' peer mentoring groups for the past two years, and though some of the material is very basic, I have learned and grown in my walk with Christ and experienced God's hand upon me in fresh and new ways. Last year, I led a group of our leaders, and Renee and Christine were part of that group, and their spouses through the first level of the material. It's called Abide in Christ. And we wanted to test it to see how it would play out in practice among us. Now, no spiritual formation material is perfect, but it had enough great stuff in it for us to affirm its use congregation-wide. And should the Lord bless this, And many of you take this up. We envision going through all five tracks over the next few years. They are abide in Christ, grow in character, lead well at home, at work, and in life, prayer and fasting, and sharing your faith. So we have three basic ways that you can participate in the abide in Christ journey this fall. Way number one is simply attend our worship services and listen to the messages. I'm going to be preaching a series on Abide in Christ which tracks with the material. So you can learn and apply some of these principles simply by paying attention in the messages, maybe taking a couple of notes or things that you can take with you into your life during the week. Second, you can work through the material on your own. Each lesson is broken into five daily readings and reflections, so five readings per week, and there are about two pages of reading each day, and then some questions and a scripture passage to listen to and reflect on. You can do this using a paper copy of the material, and this is what the first year looks like. So this is a binder, and it's got the material in it, and we are making those available for a suggested donation of $10, and they're available out in the foyer following the worship service. But you can also do this through an app that Church Renewal has developed, and you can find it by going on your web browser and just typing in theway.app. So can we have that up on the screen right now, theway.app? If you go to theway.app, there'll be this green page, kind of like this, that will appear, and they'll just ask you for your email or your text number, and if you give it to them, then they will send you a link And you will have instant digital access to this entire material plus the other five lessons or five levels once you walk through the first level of material. You can then have it on your phone and you can read it on the bus. You can read it while uh, you're waiting for it to pick up kids or you can read it while you're in a waiting room. They also have an audio feature. It's not like rock star audio feature. It's basically computer generated. But if reading is an obstacle to you, you can listen to this material through the app, either on your tablet, computer, or on your phone. And then you can track with me each week. Next week, I'm starting Abide One. And the whole passage about John 15, desiring to abide with Christ. So you can go through the material during the week and then hear another message that reinforces it on Sunday. So you can do this on your own. That's way number two. Way number one is show up and listen to messages. Way number two, do it on your own using the paper material or the app. Way number three is going to be the most impactful, and that is do it with others. So husbands and wives... 
Have you been looking for a way to connect more deeply in a spiritual way with your spouse? Well, one way to do it is for you both to work through the material on your own and then set a time to come together and just share about what you've been learning. Families, you can go through this material together. There is kids material that is age appropriate for children's grade three to age, uh, grade six. And we're asking for a $5 donation for those binders. They're also available out in the foyer. And uh, you could do your individual lessons as a family and then come together to do it as well. We also have a small group starting with Renee and Christine who are just up here and they, they are going to be working through the Abide material weekly on Thursday evenings. And then when our next group start in October, that's kind of like our Sunday school after church, you can join one of those next groups and they will have facilitators that will walk us through this material. So three ways to participate. Attend the worship services and listen to the messages, number one. Two, work through the material on your phone using the paper binder or the app. Or number three, work through the material with others as a couple, family, small group, or next group. And the goal is not to get through the material. The goal is to stay close to Christ with an intentional pathway. And this is one way to walk pathway number two. Together we can encourage one another to not only experience God's forgiveness, but also continue to walk in closeness with him. So how can we experience joy in our lives today? It starts by confessing our sins and receiving God's forgiveness and then intentionally staying close to Christ. But sometimes we act like stubborn mules. And so we need to confess that to God. I've been acting like a stubborn mule. Don't want to stay with you. Please give me a heart's desire to come and to meet with you. Let's think about that and pray about that as we come to the Lord's table. And communion servers, Will you come and join me at this time?